The following message is presented by Bayou Vista Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.bvbch.org. Now the message. Well, let me invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 43. And um, in just a few moments, I'm going to ask you to stand and we'll read a couple of verses of Scripture out of there. But I'm sure, I'm sure that I don't have to tell you here this morning that 2022 is in the books. I mean, it is a new year, obviously, but we are already 50 days into 2023. So yes, the new year has begun. In fact, it has been going past. In fact, it's moving faster and faster and faster. In just a week, February will be gone. And soon we will be approaching March. Well, speaking of new, new, I read some interesting facts about yearly purchases. Now, this is according to the Internet, okay? So according to the Internet, some of the sources that I looked at, I discovered that in 2021, we don't have the numbers for 2022, but in 2021 in the world, there were 1.4 billion new cell phones purchased. 1.4 billion new cell phones purchased in 2021 in the world. 210 million televisions, 66 million new automobiles, and how about this? 195 million refrigerators were bought in 2021 in the world. You know, as I think about those numbers... Most of us are interested in new things, new electronics, new homes, maybe a new hairdo, new clothes, new tools, new Bibles, and perhaps even for some, new teeth. Some people are consumed and even obsessed with things that are new having the newest and the latest design and fashion. Many of us, including myself, I would say, we like the fastest or the shiniest or maybe even the biggest. And though I am not against having new things and even acquiring new things in our own personal lives, I've been thinking about this new year. Something that God began to work in my heart towards the end of last year, and as this new year was beginning, a challenge. And my thought, or my challenge, or my question that I have been dealing with has to do with things that are new. And it's this idea. As the Lord presented this question, As the Lord presented this challenge to me in this new year, he was asking me, Ray, is the same zeal and desire that you have for new material things being applied to new spiritual things? Is there a sense of excitement? Is there a drive? 
Is there a motivation? Just like there is for a new cell phone or a new automobile that is applied to the things in my life in the spiritual sense. In other words, do you and I get excited every Sunday morning when we gather for worship, believing and expecting that God is going to do something new in our lives? That when we even sit down through the week and we open our Bible and we begin to read it and we listen to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit, is there a I can't wait attitude believing that the Holy Spirit is going to show us something new in the reading every day? When we attend our small group Bible study, Sunday school, Is there anticipation that what the teacher is going to share on that day will be something new because God's Word always accomplishes what God desires? You know, in all respect to the years 2019, 2020, 2021, And even 2022, I believe that God is waiting and God is waking up his people, his church, so that he can show them something new. In all respect to the absence of your senior pastor, God can and God wants and God will do something new in 2023 at Bayou Vista. That doesn't mean that the previous years in this church were certainly certainly wasted. It simply means that moving forward, ministry in this church is going to be new and it's going to be different. That is simply God's design. That is simply God's purpose with you and I here on this earth. So let me invite you to stand with me. In Isaiah chapter 43, and let's read verses 19 and 20. You follow along in your copy of God's Word. Look, I am about to do something new. Even now it is coming. Do you not see it? Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Join with me in prayer. Father, I thank you that you are a God who loves us. I thank you that we're able to sing and to worship songs just as we have done here today with words like amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I once was lost, but now am found. Lord, I thank you that you like to make all things new, including us. And so, Father, in these moments this morning, we humble ourselves. We surrender ourselves. We close out the things of 
the world. We close out the things of this afternoon. We close out the things of work. And Father, we just think about you. And we continue to worship. We continue to adore. We continue to remain in your presence. God, would you do something new in my heart, in my life today? God, would you do something new in the hearts and the lives of the people here at Bayou Vista Baptist Church? And I pray this prayer in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As I look at this passage this morning, there's three things that I want to share with you. And, and the first thing, is, first thing is this. What I notice in this passage, what I call the promise of the promise. The promise of the promise. We see here in verse 19, in my translation, the word look is used. Some translations may use the word behold. It's the idea that when Isaiah is speaking to the Israelites here, that he needed to get their attention. He is asking them to wake up. He is asking them to listen. And in verse 19, the words, look, God says, I am about to do something new. Now in context here, the children of Israel had been exiles to the Babylonians. But now, through that experience, God was about to do something different. God was about to do something new. Some theologians refer to this account as the second exodus for the Israelites. The first one, of course, was when they left Egypt. As they had been in that slavery for those number of years and God began to lead them out of that Egyptian slavery and move them into the promised land, that was the first exodus. But now God is referring to this as the second exodus. So once again, as you read through the entirety of chapter 43, you will discover that the great I am is about to do something new. By the way, when you read the entire chapter, you will discover nine references to God in the sense, I am. I am. Which again, as I read through that, and as I think about what is taking place in verses 19 and, uh, 19 and 20, here is a promise, not from an unknown God, but here is a promise from the personal Yahweh God. I am God spoke to them. So notice how the scripture becomes a personal promise. Back up in the text, if you would. And now let me read verse 14 down to verse 18. The prophet said this, this is what the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel says, because of you, I will send an army to Babylon and bring all of them as fugitives, even the Chaldeans in the ships in which they rejoice. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator Israel, your King. This is what the Lord says. Who makes a way in the sea and a path through raging water. Who brings out the chariot and horse, the army 
and the mighty one together. They lie down, they do not rise again. They are extinguished, put out like a wick. And so what Isaiah is doing here is he begins to remind the Israelites much of the character of God. And again, when you go back and you read the entirety of Isaiah chapter 43, you will discover this over and over. In verse 1, he says, this is, this is, now this is what the Lord says, the one who created you, Jacob, and the one who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. And then also down in verse 4, because you are precious in my sight and honored and I love you. And so Isaiah, as God is preparing to bring the, the, the Israelites out of their captivity of exile, Isaiah is reminding the people of God's character is reminding the people of how faithful God had been over these many years. He says to them that the Lord God is your Redeemer. He is the Holy One of Israel. He is your Creator. And He is your King. And then in verses 16 and 17, God brings to short memory how He led the Israelites through the Red Sea, and destroyed the Egyptian army. You see, Isaiah is briefly sharing how God kept his promise, how God had kept his promises by leading and taking care of his people. But notice, I didn't read this verse until now, Notice in verse 18, the prophet says, Do not remember the past events. Pay no attention to things of old. Now as I began to read through that, and certainly in my study, that verse caused me to pause. Uh, That verse caused me to have more attention Why did the prophet Isaiah do that? Well, we all understand that promises are only good if they are kept. Amen? Promises are only good if they are kept. But promises are meant to be future tense. In other words, my wife Diana, if I make a promise to her, I am promising to do something in the future. I promise to take her home with me today. Come on, come on. I'm always going to take her home. But a promise has the idea that certainly it's only good if it is kept, but also it has this implication that a promise is made for the future. So why did Isaiah... Why did he tell the Israelites to forget God's deliverance from Egypt right before verse 19 when he makes this promise that he's going to do something new? Well, I strongly believe that God was going to do something new that the Israelites had never experienced before. But... It was going to be a continuation of what he had already started. 
You see the difference? I strongly believe that God was going to do something brand new in the hearts and the lives, in the lives of the Israelites. But really, it was going to be a continuation of what he had already started to do. Listen very carefully. Isaiah is not suggesting that we ignore or we dismiss God's past actions that helped us to get where we are today. That help us believe in him. Those times, those moments, certainly provide assurance for who God is. As I was reading on your website... And discovering that in 1964, and many of those years, Brother Charles was the pastor here. And all that God was able to do have brought you to 2023. Have brought you to calling and receiving your next pastor. And so I'm not saying here this morning that we need to dismiss God's past actions. And all the things that he has done for these 58 years. But Isaiah... Isaiah was reminding his listeners that God indeed was still alive and that he would always be able to be trusted in the future. You see, the future that will involve God is something for us to believe and for something to trust that he is going to do something New, and it will surpass anything that has been accomplished in the past. What was God doing with Israel? Well, here in this case, again, he was putting his foot down to an enemy, and he was declaring that he was about to fulfill another promise, even though. Israel was in rebellion. And even though Israel was in disobedience, God was still going to keep his promises to them. You see, this passage teaches you and I as believers that God is above every circumstance, that God is above every situation, That God is above every person. Nothing and no one can stop or prevent Almighty God from fulfilling His promise. And you know the truth is, we only have to get to Genesis chapter 3 to believe that. Because in Genesis chapter 3, when we see what it seems as if indeed the world was falling apart, and it was because sin was brought into the world, God was present. God was going to hold on and deliver his promise. And then in Genesis chapter 12, when he established the covenant with the nation of Israel through Abram, we see that his promise is still being fulfilled. And again, if Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 12 isn't enough, read through the book of Exodus. And if that's not enough, read the book of Revelation. And be reminded that God has and God will keep his promises. We serve the God of fulfilled promises. But secondly, and quickly, let me share with you what I call the timing of the promise. God is saying to us today 
that I will do something new. You know, I'm so grateful and I am so thankful that God has promised to do new things in my life. But just as much, I'm thankful that God is promising to do something new in my life today. In fact, every day. You see, my God is the God of yesterday. He is the God of tomorrow. But He is the God of today. And just as God made a way in the sea the first time for the Israelites, He is saying to them that He will now make a new way in the wilderness. You know, I think as humans, we like everything to be predictable. Um, that, that is to say that we have our schedules, uh, we have our routes that we follow, we have our routines that we go through, and yes, as we come in here on Sunday morning, we have our pews that we sit in. Amen? So everything seems to be somewhat in a manner of being predictable. That we do the same thing when we get up in the morning, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We fulfill a work week, the schedule that we follow, and so on and so on. But when something happens that causes us to get off of that schedule or to get out of that routine, man, we become maniacs, don't we? I mean, we become really upset, we become really odd-acting people, and we get all bent out of shape. Maybe that's just part of our nature. But can I compare that with the God that I'm speaking about here this morning, and the God who is promising to do something new in your life, in this church, and in my life, in my life, is not a God of predictability. He is the creator God who loves doing things in new ways. After 13 wonderful years of Pastor Stephen leading you, God is doing a new work. No one could have predicted that. You didn't know that that was coming. He didn't know that that was coming. Certainly God knew that it was coming. But God works in order to fulfill his promises to each of us in what I would call non-predictable ways. I wish you had more time to speak on this, but perhaps some of you have been following the Asbury University revival that's taking place in Kentucky. And what I read last night, what I followed up with last night, not only is that university, but I think now what I've, what I've seen listed is up to 18, maybe 20 different universities that are experiencing a mighty movement from God. Now, I don't know what you read. I don't know what's in your heart. I don't know what's in your thoughts this morning, but I want to stand before you as a, um, as a messenger of God. I want to stand before you as a sinner that's been saved by the grace of God. And I just want to say, if it's revival, let it come. 
If it's something that needs to change my heart, if it's something that needs to change the hearts of people in our churches, if it's something that needs to change the heart of our leaders in our cities, in our state, in our nation, let it happen. Let it come. So we have the timing of the promise. And perhaps now it is that God is using a group of young people on universities to bring about what the Holy Spirit is needing to do in each of our hearts. So how do we do this? How do we experience this? Well, this is what I call, that what I would move to my third point here, as the application of the promise. There's the promise of the promise. There's the timing of the promise. But third, I want you to hear the application of the promise. And I give you two words. And the first word is the word behold. And I challenge you here this morning as individuals and as a church, certainly in your preparation of receiving, of calling your next pastor, that you stop, that you pause, that you look, and that you behold the wondrous mysteries of God Almighty. Behold the baby in the manger. Behold the Savior on the cross. Behold the empty tomb. Behold, as John in his gospel wrote, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Stop. Look. Pause. And behold the God of the universe who is desiring to do something new in your life, in my life, and in his church. But the second word is the word believe. I don't think you need to answer this question out loud unless you just want to. But do you really believe this book? Do you really believe? Yes, this is the inspired, the inherent, the infallible, the holy, holy, holy Word of God. But do you believe that all that is written in these pages is a promise that God has for every one of us? Do you believe? Do you have faith? Do you trust that God wants and God can 
And God will do something new in his church today. And that God will do something new in your life today. You see, if we're going to believe the promise, if we're going to believe the, the Word of God, we must behold God Himself. We must behold God as the Creator God, as the Redeemer God. We must behold God as the omniscient God, that He is all-knowing. The omnipotent God. He is the all-powerful. That we must believe God as the unconditional God. That through His Son, Jesus Christ, offers us the free gift of salvation. Do you really believe this book? Do you really believe the promises that God has waiting for you? And if so, it will require you to behold the God of all creation. I really, really believe that God is waiting and that God is watching to do something new in each of our lives. I really, really believe that even in the absence, even if it's a few short weeks, even in the absence of your pastor, that God can and God will and God wants to do new and great things in your life and in this church. Isaiah also wrote, that the flower fades and the grass withers, but the word of God abides forever. Will you, will you this morning behold and will you believe? And when you do, I believe you will be ready for God to do something new. Even now it is coming, the prophet said. Would you bow your heads and we're going to move into a time of invitation, a time of response. And this is an opportunity that if there's someone here today who has never came to the realization that they are a sinner... And that their sin is keeping them from going to heaven. And so if their desire is to go to heaven, they need to understand that they must deal with their sin. Well, actually, it's already been dealt with. Jesus, over 2,000 years ago, took care of your sin, took care of my sin, took care of the sins of the world when he died on a cross. When he was placed in a tomb and when he was resurrected. If you're here this morning 
and you've never come to that understanding, you've never come to that realization that you need to be saved, that you need to become a Christian, that you need to be born again, this would be that day. This would be the opportunity for God to do something new in your life in regards to salvation. Maybe you would say, I'm already a Christian. I've already trusted Christ. I know the assurance that when I leave this earth, I'm going to heaven. But I never really followed that decision up with a believer's baptism. Maybe this morning, God wants to do something new in your life through the act, the symbol of baptism. That you would publicly demonstrate what Christ has already done in your heart. Maybe the new in your life today is God to say, you need to be a part of Bayou Vista Baptist Church. You need to become a member. You need to engage yourself into the fellowship, the membership of that church. And then there's always, for many of us, for most of us, during this invitation time to respond in prayer and just asking God help me to behold help me to believe God I yield I surrender I say wherever you're going to lead do that do that new work in my own life The preceding message was presented by Bayou Vista Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about Bayou Vista, including contact info, go to the website www.bvbch.org. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.